Uh, good evening. Uh, I'd like to call the uh, March 23rd Financial Planning Committee meeting uh, to order. It's after the hour of 6 o'clock. Uh, first order of business for us tonight is the reorganization election of offices. John. Thank you. I'll take over the meeting from you, Mr. Chairman, uh, for purposes of election of officers. Uh, first uh, position that's open is uh, chairmanship. So I'll take uh, nominations, uh, open for nominations for chairmanship. I'll uh, like to nominate Bill Peterson for chair. No. Yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. I will uh, I'll nominate Dave for chair. Second. So I have a nomination and a second. Let me see my college. Uh, so we have a, a nomination and a second. Uh, is there, are there any other nominations uh, for chair? Any other discussion? Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor of Dave DeFries as chair? It's unanimous. Uh, the next uh, position you have is uh, vice chairmanship, so I'll open nominations for the vice chair. I'll nominate Mike Hodge for vice chair. Second. Who is the second, uh, Bill? We have a nomination and a second. Are there any other nominations for vice chair? Uh, seeing and hearing none, any discussion? All those in favor of Mike Hodge for vice chairmanship? Excellent. You are reorganized officially. I'll hand the meeting back over to the chairman. Thank you very much. Uh, next order of business is the review of the CPC project requests. Uh, we have John Campbell here, uh, chairman of the uh, uh, Community Preservation Committee here tonight. Uh, John did send uh, two uh, documents for you. One is a summary of the uh, articles without article numbers, and the other is a uh, summary of some of the financial information just so that you have it. Thank you. Good evening. Thanks for having me. I very much appreciate you making time. and. Uh, we always look forward to the support of the Financial Planning Committee, CPA recommendations, um, very important to me, very important to the committee, and to the town in general. Um, I'm going to walk through uh, where we started this year, what the situation was, and, and briefly each project, and then certainly encourage your questions. Um, I asked uh, that you get a copy of this. Summary, this was actually put together by Jason Little, our town accountant. Uh, he's very helpful uh, each year helping the CPC with what's available to spend. And uh, this year, um, we were fortunate to have a, a pretty big budget. It starts with 750000 which is the estimated revenue in FY23 from CPA tax surcharge and state match. And it includes uh, 730, 700, I'm sorry, my old figures right, uh, 784,000 in reserves. That includes each of the three core category reserves, affordable housing, historical, open space, as well as the unreserved account, which is basically the reserves of CPA that are not yet assigned to any specific category. Um, we were approached with 10 applications this year, and it looked very challenging in the beginning how we could fit those all in. Every application was viable. Every application had applicability to 
uh, open space and recreation plans, historical recommendations, and our master plan for that matter. And, and all had a certain urgency and timeliness, which is one of our criteria for why a project would be brought forth in a given year for town meeting. So it was a little bit of a challenge to figure how we would fit that all in, but um, we found a way. And we're very pleased to bring almost every application to forward to town meeting, and I think they're all extremely worthwhile. The biggest project by far was a request from the Housing Authority in conjunction with the Northboro Affordable <coughs> Housing Corporation to build eight new affordable housing apartments for seniors uh, on the existing Village Drive complex. And um, we were very encouraged to see this application. Affordable housing was one of the key original tenants on which the CPA was based. But in Northboro, we haven't really given it its full due in terms of the scope of projects that we've approved and where we've spent our money. Uh, roughly 20% of our allocations and town meeting approvals have gone to affordable housing projects over the course of CPA in Northboro, roughly 15 years now. Uh, whereas uh, more like a little more than 40% have gone to open space and recreation programs and almost 40% to historical uh, programs, which uh, a big part of which was the White Cliffs acquisition. So uh, it was encouraging to see a, a big project this this nature come forward. And the biggest driver of it is that um, it qualifies for 800000 in state matching grant. That's in addition to the CPA money, which, remember, is, is state matched as well. So this almost amounts to a million dollars of state funding for a project that is worth $2.4 million overall. Um, our, uh, our board approved it unanimously. Um, the warrant article is a bit complicated because it incorporates both CPA recommendations for this year from our uh, unreserved account, from new revenue, and from the affordable housing reserve. And it incorporates a series of reauthorizations that the <coughs> CPC voted to approve of prior monies approved at town meeting, mostly to the Northboro Affordable Housing Corporation. Those monies, as you recall, are granted to them but held by the town until the project is needed. Uh, and in, in uh, one small case, there's a reauthorization of money to the Housing Authority. It was for the demolition of the original property on which the Center Drive affordable housing was built but was not all utilized. Uh, long story short, that amounts to a million three from CPA and past CPA recommendations. And then in addition, uh, John found a way for 100000 in ARPA funds to be added to this. So you put it all together, that makes up the $2.4 million that the project needs. And the, the town meeting uh, warrant article is uh, for uh, $1,340,000. Uh, I'll pause a minute if you guys want to ask questions on that one specifically because <coughs> it's complex. I just have a question because I'm having a moment. Is this behind the library? Where, where is this? You this is off of uh, Summer Street. Yes, and it's behind the library. Yeah, yeah. okay. If right. you, as the crow flies, if you... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't know specifically in that complex, but... Yeah, but... There's evidently uh, land there to do it. Okay, thank you. Is there any issue with the complexity, and this could be for either John, with the complexity of the warrant article? I'm assuming you guys have worked with the town and town council to make sure whatever wording is done, it's the way we need it to be? Yes. Yeah, so town council's reviewed it. Uh, we've gone around several times uh, checking and verifying the fund balances from those remaining uh, 
older projects. And um, and the other piece of it is, uh, I'm sure John will touch upon it, is we've actually included a backup article. So in the event that this doesn't pass, the town is still required to put the minimum 10% into the various buckets, including affordable housing. So that's why you're seeing that uh, that layup article, essentially. Uh, but uh, no, this is town council, as we speak, uh, is reviewing the uh, the final warrant language. But uh, look, at least the, um, the finances all add up, and assuming the language... Uh, if it needs any tweaking, town council will do that. Yeah. And essentially, you know, probably no surprise, but the, the, uh, the good folks, uh, Rick Leaf and his crew at the Affordable Housing Corporation, have essentially committed all of the reserves that they had in place, as this is the most attractive project that we see coming forward to uh, help not only the affordable housing crunch, but specifically for seniors. So once we got that one uh, covered, we kind of looked at uh, how much money was left and found a way to go through the remaining projects. Um, there are three from the historical category. Um, the first in your review is the Brigham Street Burial Ground beautification. Uh, the Brigham Street Burial Ground represents our oldest uh, area. It's, it's gone through some enhancement and there is signage there identifying it. This would take down a lot of dead trees that are endangering the area, clear out the debris, put up new fencing, and uh, make this a place to be honored and not trespassed on, and at the same time, you know, beautify one of our resources. So um, we voted to approve the total of uh, one million. I'm sorry, 137,000 for this project. Um, the second project is much smaller. It's for cemetery signs, and this is consistent with other signs that we've approved under CPA that enhance the cemetery. This is on the newer section called the Kaiser area, but since that section is still over 50 years old, it still qualifies under CPA for funding. So we agreed to vote to fund that initiative as well. Uh, thirdly, and historical is the Historical Society building, which you're familiar with on Main Street. Um, CPA has been used for several projects at this, at this building previously, uh, one to create a handicapped entrance, one to restore the, the old organ in there, the third one for outdoor restorations uh, that was m most recent. And this, would, this, article, uh, this, this article, if approved, would add back and replace and restore shutters that were originally on the outside of the building. So their initiative is to bring it back to its original look and make it that much, that much more beautiful. We approve that as well. In the uh, recreation and open space area, we originally had an article to add 20,000 to the Assabet Park fencing. This is sort of an upgrade to the project that's already in place at Assabet Park to update all the facilities, making them ADA accessible and the new equipment as well. And uh, due to a variety of factors, the budget ran out of money to en enhance the fence along 135 South Street that you would see first as you come up the road. Uh, but as it turned out, uh, John found ARPA funding that could fund that, so we're going to drop this completely from the warrant. Is that right, John? Yes, it's, that, that article is no longer included in the copy of the warrant that you have uh, in your packet. So very well. Um, however, um, we had an application from the Recreation Commission 
for the dog park design. And uh, if none of you have heard that a dog park was needed in town, you've been sleeping. So as far as I know, it's like one of the most popular topics. Um, and the pace of it is frustrating, but this would finally put in place uh, a design consultant to examine up to five sites in town, determine could a dark dog park fit, uh, you know, would it be acceptable to abutters and so on, and give us the tools to move it forward to the second phase and put the dog park in. So uh, much needed and consistent with our open space recreation plans, not to mention the master plan that we uh, approved that project. Is uh, there a site in mind? Say again? Is there a site in mind for this? There are several being considered. I would not bring up any one of them because I'm <laughs> not familiar. With that I wouldn't dangerous. bring up any one of them right now anyway because uh, the way things sorry, are. I didn't mean, I didn't mean a loaded question. Okay. Sorry. You know, I think if I could just chime in for a second here, one of the things uh, that uh, if we can get the design and the site chosen, uh, there is potential for some grant funding for the actual construction. The biggest challenge that we found is somebody who's been involved in trying to site the last two attempts at a dog park. Uh, you can find the parcel, uh, but then the neighbors might not be inclined or um, uh, there's there's any number of factors. It could be wetlands that you have to be concerned about with the uh, with dog waste and so forth. So, the the, the toughest part of it is finding a site and um, that's viable and putting a design that works. Uh, and then the construction and the funding of it, I hope, will be the easiest part of it. So we've just been unable to to find the parcel, uh, and the work that needs to be done needs to be done professionally by uh, an engineering firm to to look at the. The utilities that may or may not be needed, the uh, wetlands impacts, uh, all of that stuff, and some outreach to uh, you know anybody that's in the general vicinity. The other piece of it too is trying to identify parcels that you know are frankly you know privately owned that may or may not be you know currently on the market. You know approaching folks to see if you know they might be interested in, in selling a parcel to the town. We've done an exhaustive look at all town-owned property, so everything that's currently owned by the town of Northborough, we've exhausted that. And for a variety of reasons, you know, most of those just, they just don't work. So uh, there could be one that gets looked at as part of this, but I think part the, uh, this is to broaden the net uh, and, uh, and look a little bit deeper into some, some potentially some private land. Uh, another project in the open space rec area was presented by our enthusiastic trails committee. And this is to enhance a trail that exists around the senior center area uh, and to make it ADA compliant, ADA accessible. Uh, there's a lot of enthusiastic energy behind this project. It's a great trail that is uh, relatively flat, surrounds the pond over there, um, and would give us the first handicap accessible trail in Northboro. So we uh, very much approve that program as well. This again is a design phase, but I think it would lead to a second phase for uh, construction quickly and uh, not expected to be that expensive from what I can see. And hopefully some grant funds available that we applied for a grant uh, for this project uh, that did not get approved. 
but uh, what we find in general, and this is where the CPC, uh, John's committee has been very helpful in the past, is sometimes if you can get the town to commit to the design work, the design and permitting end of it, and you can show you have a truly viable project, the location, and a professionally done budget, that makes it easier sometimes to seek grant funding. Because it also shows, it shows that the project has been well thought out and flushed out, but the other thing it shows is that there's a commitment from the town that the town wants to move forward with the project because they've expended funds to do the design. So it, it helps greatly in our ability to, to chase down uh, grant funding. So echo that into the next project I'm about to talk about, which is the Aqueduct Bridge uh, pedestrian access design. For the same reasons, we need a lot of intricate detail on what it would take to restore that bridge for pedestrian walkway, as it was over 100 years ago and uh, to create what will be a link between the north and south aqueduct trails that exist now in town, which uh, contributes to, again, our goals in town of connectivity, walkability, greater recreation space, and gives potential to connect to other town areas of that aqueduct trail as well. It's a beautiful space, as if you've ever been on it. Uh, but there's a lot involved in the aqueduct bridge design um, including, again, setting up for the appropriate approvals. We have to plan for utility relocation because some power lines are too low at one end of it. We need to get MWRA approvals when we're done and so on. So this one's a bit expensive. It took us a while to understand the need for it. But uh, once again, with a, a good plan, it will set up the opportunity for some grant funding as well on the second phase. So we, we approved this one as well. Uh, a total of 133000 is required. Just for the, if I can chime in here again, just through the chair, just for the committee's uh, understanding, you, uh, Scott Charpentier, DPW director, has spoken to you about a couple of these projects. Uh, I know the, the dog park, he's spoken to you, the accessible trail we talked about at length at the, during the last uh, cycle as we were trying to get that in for a grant that ultimately wasn't funded. Uh, but uh, he has worked with the CPC and the groups on these projects, so these have been vetted. Uh, in terms of the scope and the budgets through the DPW director. So these aren't just, you know, a well-meaning group coming in with a number or a, a project, although that happens, but they've been paired up with staff. So these numbers have been vetted, and this approach is, um, is uh, supported by the staff and the administration. Thank you, John. Um, the last application we had to consider was from the uh, Open Space Committee, who asked for $400,000 to be transferred to the Conservation Fund. This is consistent with uh, previous applications and town meeting approvals into the Conservation Fund, which has been used very successfully to acquire and uh, permanently preserve several properties in town that enhance uh, our open space, our trails networks, and so on. Uh, but given that uh, there's already 761000 in the conservation fund, which is pretty good, and that we had so many other projects that we wanted to try to approve, uh, it, was, it was decided to decline that application and pass over that request this year. The Open Space Committee actually um, was uh, in favor of that, should that be the path, because they wanted the energy to go be behind the aqueduct bridge design and the accessible trail design. So if we had to pick two, those are the ones we wanted to be coming from the open space category. That opened the door for us to get all these projects in within that uh, 1.5 million budget we offered previously. 
And while we typically as a committee are a little more conservative with the unreserved fund, kind of our savings account, um, we had always talked about it being needed, uh, using it when needed for a big project. I think this affordable housing uh, potential project is one that qualifies and so we thought it was uh, worthy of using the reserves and also trying to to get all these other projects to fit in as well we did not exhaust the unreserved fund and with the additional uh, state matching that we are granted uh, in this year's cycle from the state uh, plus I think what we usually have as a conservative estimate of the fiscal year income will end up with I think to 300,000 in our reserve account when we're all done next year anyway. And so we felt confident in, in moving forward. But uh, not approving the conservation fund was the key to making all the others work. So I think it was a good plan. Uh, however, we do still have to pay for the White Cliffs debt service, and so that is a required Warren article. Uh, this would be the fifth payment on that property. The debt payment's a little lower each year, which is nice but that must come from new revenue. And so uh, that's part of our presentation. Lastly, um, we typically each year recommend getting the full 5% allowed under the CPA of new revenue toward the administrative fund. And that we use for um, appraisals and other fees that might come along to try to look deeper into a project, sometimes for studies and so on. That, that apply to a project. But if those funds are not used in a given year, they go back into the unreserved savings account. So that's just consistent with what we've done each year. And th this year's projection is 750,000 of new revenue. 5% of that is 37,500. And that's what sets this Warren article. With permission of the chair, I do have a question about the aqueduct. Um, I love the idea. And this is for design. Obviously, there's expenses after the design. Do we have any idea of what that may be? Because I know your committee has a certain amount of dollars. Is this something that eventually will fall upon the town? Is there any idea of what this would entail? I'm just you know, concerned about spending 133000 and knowing there's a $200,000 project or a $2.5 million sure. project. Um, for sure, the plan is that CPA would support the next phase of the project, uh, and it, it would qualify. So. CPA funding, be it from our reserve or new revenue, should be able to afford to, to build the next phase. And it, if it couldn't in a given year, you know, we have the option to continue to break it into phases as, we, as we've done with other projects. But I think I can confidently say, because it qualifies under CPA, that the majority of it should be paid from CPA funding. I can't speak to a, an aspect of it, some part of, uh, you know, some part of it I don't know of that would have to come from a different source, but it looks like everything we've planned for uh, we can qualify under the plan for the aqueduct bridge trail restoration. It's both, you know, historical in nature and also open space trails in nature. So um, we should be able to, to cover it. Thank you. Question one. The trail itself, is that on town property, state property, or both? Uh, over the aqueduct? Well, and, th and on, 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 on either side, yeah. Well, the, the land over the aqueduct is not town-owned. Right? It's owned by the D MWRA. It is, right. But they gave, uh, they opened up permission to walk on it several years back. Yep. That's why you see the, the new green gates now. <laughs> yeah. And you're legally permitted to walk on it. I'm sure everybody did years before. But, right. um, 
And it's not completely connected, although the connectivity of it, street crossings and you know sidewalks and so on, is something we've talked about in the Open Space Committee and CPC and the Master Plan Implementation Committee, ways to make that better, because we're really looking for you know ways to connect it all the way through. Uh, and for instance, if you, if you were to cross the Aqueduct Bridge today onto the Hudson Street side, uh, you know, it, it basically uh, stops, I'm sorry, it, uh, that's Rice Ave there. You have to cross over, now you're at the Edmund Woods parking lot, right. and you have to go back down, you know, on the ground and uh, across the easement of the house there, now you're back on the aqueduct. Yes. You know, so when it's snowy, I've tried to do it, you know, on skis, but otherwise you're crossing a street from time to time. Yeah. On the other side of that, if you kept going north, you got to cross uh, Coburn Street, you mm. know, and so on and so forth. But um, as John said, that's MWRA land. Okay, thought so. Thank you. Yeah, they were very prickly about not wanting anybody on their property for the longest time, and then uh, they've got so much pressure because it, it consumes, you know, such a significant uh, right of way through a town that looks like, and they have to mow it and they maintain it, and so it looks like the perfect walking path. And, uh, you know, you can understand for security reasons they weren't too too keen on it, uh, but I think as time's gone by, uh, they've realized that there's really no security anyway. Uh, so, uh, and just the towns want to use it. It's there, it's a good walking path, and, and if you can connect it into existing trail networks, then it's, uh, it's a win really for everybody. Plus, the more people that are out and walking about, the more chances if something is uh, being done that uh, shouldn't be happening, someone's going to report it. Mm -hmm. So, thank you. Good. Yep. Thanks, John. <laughs> Very Thanks, much. John. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. John had to scramble and move a few things around to be here tonight, so I appreciate uh, him making our schedule work. My pleasure. Thanks, John. <clears throat> All right. Next item of business the final review the capital budget. So, in your packet uh, is the uh, spreadsheet. Looks like this. It's two things are paper clipped together. The top, the top uh, piece is the updated six-year capital improvement plan. You know, you've seen as each of the departments have come in and talked to you about their projects, uh, not just for fiscal 23, but talked to you about every project they're contemplating over the next six years. This is the uh, six-year plan in its totality, showing all of the. Um, uh, all of the projects going out. And so I believe you have discussed every one of these projects at some level with, uh, with the departments that are proposing them. Uh, but this is the updated, and as you can see, this is the updated six-year capital improvement plan. The goal here is to, to try to smooth out these projects. Um, so it's a living, breathing document each year when things happen like a pandemic and you postpone a bunch of capital, you get a bubble. And so you have to rework that schedule a little bit because we want to make sure that to the extent practical, um, equipment replacements and smaller capital projects are being paid for on a page row <laughs> basis using available funds, primarily free cash. Larger projects, um, 
like a fire engine or a roof replacement or a building renovation, those typically would need to be financed with debt. So we're trying to spread these things out. So, so what you have in your packet is the it's just the updated six-year capital improvement plan. As I said, uh, when we print out the final uh, document, uh, we'll have a project detail sheet associated with every single project uh, that's planned over the next six years. If you go to the document that you had last year from fiscal 2022, we've, you know, all these projects are in there. This, the, the finances have been updated, the plans, you know, some of the descriptions have been updated. Uh, again, the concept here is by and large, new projects should be dropping in in fiscal 2028 because this is a six-year plan covering fiscal 23 to fiscal 28. New projects should be dropping in fiscal 28, and then each year it moves up, gives us time to seek uh, grant funding, alternative funding sources. Uh, it also gives us a chance to vet out the project, uh, let it mature, get better cost estimates. Maybe sometimes we'll break it up and we'll do design work one year to make sure that when we bring it forward that we have a viable project with a design and a and a, and a good cost estimate. So that's the, the purpose of that. Um, so um, in terms of the six-year capital improvement plan, uh, you don't need to approve the plan because it's a, as I said, a living document. But as it moves up each year, the current year, in this case fiscal 2023, is the year that the projects included in the, in the current or upcoming fiscal year, those are what we refer to as the capital budget. So you have the six-year plan and the capital budget are the projects that are going to this upcoming town meeting for actual funding. So the second paper clipped uh, packet that you have behind the six-year capital improvement plan is the fiscal 2023 capital budget. And what I did for you is I put, as we do every year, those projects into a funding matrix. So you can see the funding source. It's so now in total, uh, we're looking to go to town meeting with uh, 2.78, $2,784,000 in projects. So then you can see the funding source for those projects. Uh, $2,024,000 is funded with free cash. Uh, $360,000 is coming from the sewer enterprise fund balance, which is basically free cash for the enterprise fund. Uh, $400,000 uh, for the ambulance would be funded from the EMS revolving funds. So those are uh, fees that people pay uh, when they uh, need an ambulance. It goes into a revolving fund. We use those monies to pay for equipment. Um, and so uh, as you look at the plan in total, as I said, it's $2,784,000. All of these projects, if approved, uh, will have no additional tax impact. So available funds, free cash, and uh, enterprise funds and revolving funds uh, will be used. So there'll be no additional tax impact. So um, these are the uh, capital uh, projects that are included in the warrant right now. And uh, again, in your packet, you have a project detail sheet, which you've seen already from each of the, as each department has come in. Uh, you discuss the police cruisers with the, uh, with the police chief, the ambulance replacement with the, uh, with the uh, fire chief. Uh, you've discussed the downtown master plan with me, but there is, as you know, last year, knowing that the downtown master plan, I'm sorry, that the townwide master plan was approved last year. 
we put a placeholder, uh, the committee green-lighted a placeholder for a master plan project. We knew something was going to come forward. We assumed it would be the downtown, uh, but this would be uh, $150,000 of free cash to do a downtown master plan. This is the number one top priority coming out of the master plan process. It is the formally voted number one uh, project being brought forward by the master plan implementation committee. They have a fully developed scope of service using a consultant, VHB, the same consultant that worked on the master plan for us. They've approved that scope of service. I've shopped it around a little bit, and, um, and that's basically the number. Uh, the great thing about that plan, or that process rather, is as part of it, uh, they'll be doing a series of uh, uh, community outreach and most importantly, with the business community. So one of the things that we're talking about or you hear people talking about is, uh, you know, what are we doing uh, to help the businesses, particularly the small businesses in, in which are primarily located in the downtown. And so uh, part of this would be uh, parking analysis. It would be getting a working group and a focus group uh, for downtown businesses and to uh, talk to them about what they would like to see and what their thoughts are. Ultimately, uh, ultimately, out of this downtown planning process, I anticipate more requests will come for the next steps. Uh, also, out of that process, we talked about this a little bit with regard to ARPA funding. You know, there are communities that have done some, some uh, economic development uh, grants or initiatives using some of their ARPA funding. The plan, at least the thought process here, is uh, going through this mass downtown master plan process and working with the businesses and using that to inform what type, potentially what type of grant program or business assistance program or economic development uh, incentives we might want to put in place using ARPA funding. And I think the important difference is um, rather than just being aid, I think there's a chance to marry the interests of the businesses with the interests of the community. For instance, um, it may be a program that enhances the downtown facades. It could be a grant program or a loan program. Uh, it could be a grant program to help, you know, if we want to have consistent historic looking signage. I'm just making, these are just things that have come up in conversation. There's no set uh, um, agenda on that. But the idea is the downtown master plan process would then inform the next round and potentially how we might want to use some of our second tranche, the second half of the ARPA funding to, to uh, advance uh, those, those types of uh, projects potentially. But uh, the downtown master plan project itself will look very heavily at the businesses the small businesses focusing on the downtown and looking at you know what type of assistance uh, they might need to help move them in a direction that we all agree we'd like to see for our downtown. So a very exciting project. Like I said, scope of services are ready to go. Uh, I'm, I'm tempted to put it out on the street before town meeting, uh, but certainly right after town meeting, uh, the RFP will go out and uh, we'll get moving on that on that process, and that'll be something that will you know, take place over the balance of the year. And then after that, you have all the DPW projects, <coughs> excuse me, that uh, Scott Sharpentier came in and went through at a, at a prior meeting. Uh, you've seen all of these detail sheets. Um, 
here. Uh, like the only difference is in these up updated ones, they have pictures of the projects. So uh, it's part of our uh, finished budget uh, document. So what we will do is uh, just moving forward in terms of the, the process, uh, I'm hopeful tonight that this committee would feel confident in recommend, voting to recommend the capital budget as presented. Um, you could talk about your upcoming uh, report that you would make based on whatever votes you take this evening. Uh, included in your packet was last year's report, just so you can kind of see the format and what it looks like. Uh, we'll put a, a template together to be filled in uh, based on whatever votes uh, may take place this evening. And then uh, we will put the final budget document together, which will include section nine, which is the complete um, capital improvement program for the town. And so that six year spreadsheet of all the projects, literally every project that we're contemplating over the next year, year will have a, a dedicated, you know, detail sheet to it, a funding plan, it all ties out. Uh, I know you guys are familiar with that. Uh, that's really sort of the finished public-facing uh, document. In order for us to move forward and wrap all that up, uh, would require you to uh, to complete your work, which is to recommend the uh, fiscal 2023 uh, capital budget. So I certainly can't answer any questions you may have. Yeah, just a quick question. So um, obviously we're trying to finalize this. When do we know, look, we've been going over the ARPA funds and where things are going to go, and now it's to be determined. Is that going to be decided soon or that we can yeah that's a great question I think the so what we're talking about tonight are is the capital budget and these are the uh, these are the projects that will go to town meeting for discussion and approval at town meeting so that's the capital budget separate from that but related are the American Rescue Plan Act funds and there was a proposal that was put together working with this committee and staff about uh, several other projects. Uh, for instance, the uh, $800,000 uh, engine replacement. We know we have the Proctor School roof, uh, our share of it, assuming MSBA, the Massachusetts School Building Authority, decides to give us a grant for roughly half. And then we had the, DE, the DEP required uh, tight tank installation at the DPW garage for $400,000. And so uh, the discussion that we've had here previously was, you know, we, we've gotten rid of hopefully most of the backlog that was caused over the two years of the pandemic. We know we have significant capital projects coming. Uh, we have the fire station building project. We have a downtown, uh, a uh, town uh, office building uh, project, both coming soon. Um, I imagine the uh, fire station building project will come back to town meeting next year. Right now it's roughly $16 million of uh, construction costs. So we're going to have significant tax impacts for those larger capital projects. The proposal that I had put forward together uh, for, the, for the Board of Selectmen's consideration and your discussion at your prior meetings was if we can eliminate the Proctor School, the engine, the DEP tight tank, you know, that's $2.1 million of projects that we otherwise would have to finance because I can't, we can't do a pay-as-you-go $800,000 piece of equipment. We have, some, in some years, you know, a little over a million dollars of available funds to replace police cruisers and trucks and things like that that you don't want to finance. So, uh, so the thought was if we can knock out those couple of projects that are, have bunched up, 
then really we're clearing out uh, for just you know the larger the routine capital replacements and the you know larger building projects. At the selectmen's meeting on the 14th, and in your packet is a copy of the presentation that I made to them on the 14th. Uh, the board decided not to um, not to uh, release those ARPA funds. They want to have further discussions uh, regarding uh, the larger ARPA plan. So, also included in that was the $400,000 for Phase One of the sidewalks. So, just to put it into um, context, so those projects that uh, were recommended for funding with ARPA, if if ARPA funding isn't used to do them as a pay, on your pay-as-you-go basis. Uh, it's either between 2.1 and 2.5 million dollars of projects that would have to be financed with debt. We're just not going to be able to do a pay-as-you-go for a half of a school roof. We just can't do that. And so, just to, if I just finish my this, my uh, Dave. So the. The piece here um, is uh, I ran a, uh, this afternoon we ran a debt schedule just to see what it would look like. And if these projects aren't funded with, uh, with ARPA, using ARPA money, um, it would just the Proctor School, the engine, and the tight tank at, at uh, the highway is $2.1 million. At 3.5%, uh, it would add between 40 and uh, 40 and 50 dollars to the average tax bill and uh, and we'd pay about four hundred thousand dollars in interest for those projects so that's the basis of why we were recommending that we get those out because ultimately when you look out the money is all coming from the same place anyway and and you know a fire engine and a roof aren't nice to have they're need to have and you take care of those, then you have capacity to do other things that you might like to do. So that was the thought process. Last point, the plan that was brought forward was only for the first half of the ARPA funding, this $4.5 million. There were, there's ample money left for other potential projects. What was proposed, uh, the plan was just for the first roughly the first half of the, of the funding. So it's a long answer, Tom, to your question, but basically the ARPA funding is an is a off-book, an off-budget uh, process. So the way that grant, it's treated as a grant, which means it's up to the Board of Selectmen to release those funds. Can, so, can we chime in on what we think? Yes, you most certainly can. In fact, so there's tonight there is a meeting being held in the community by uh, folks who uh, are it's not sanctioned by uh, any board or committee they've taken it upon themselves for whatever reason to uh, have a public input session about ARPA part of the issue that I've noticed um, is that there is a you know there's a lack of understanding of existing plans and policies and so forth there's an education component um, as I said, if you don't know that you need a roof or a furnace in your house and someone says, here's, you know, here's $10,000 or $20,000, what would you like to do with it? You might spend it on something else. So part of our job as staff and your job as a committee, as always, is to research and frame up these things and make recommendations. So um, the Board of Selectmen moving forward, what I would like to propose, and I 
this hasn't been approved by the board, but what I'd like to propose, given, given the turn that things have taken, is I'd probably make sense for us to have a joint meeting similar to the financial trend monitoring, where we bring in all the boards and committees in the one room, give everybody all the same information, and make sure that everybody has the correct information before value judgments are added. I think part of the difficulty of this is there's stuff, there's a lot of misinformation that's flying around right now on social media, and there's a this sense that this is you know, a windfall of free money to be spent on whatever we like. There's a lot of discretion with this money, uh, but it's no different than free cash in that you, know, you want to spend it in a way that's going to put your financial condition, it's going to strengthen your financial conditions you know, three or four years down the road and not weaken them. Uh, there's, in my opinion, there's plenty, as ample capacity to do both, to do the things, the nuts and bolts that people don't get excited about, like putting a roof on a school, um, and to do other things like, you know, potentially some downtown um, projects and um, initiatives that might come out of the master plan. So, um, but we're sort of jumping ahead in the, uh, in the presentation. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about it when we get uh, down to that item on the agenda. But for purposes of tonight, Tom, and for purposes of town meetings approval and the capital budget, none of the ARPA funds are included in this uh, discussion. Thank you. Question, John? Kind of a thinking out loud question. As we're doing like the master plan or even this, this senior housing uh, project, and we're doing infrastructure like opening the road or opening the sidewalks, can we, and you and Scott may be already on this, but can we, like, the I&I drainage stuff, can we bundle some of that in, or do those have to be distinct and separate projects? Yeah, so um, I, I think the root of your question, Bill, is you know, we want to make sure that whenever we do infrastructure projects that we don't pave a road and then three years later dig it up because the sewer underneath is bad. I guess if we're going to be there anyway. Right. That is done uh, every year. We update the pavement management plan that the DPW director talked to you about at your last meeting. We get the recommendations for, from the consultant uh, regarding the best plan to get the most bang for our buck. Then the DPW director takes that and overlays it on any other planned work, sidewalk, water, sewer, anything like that. So we make sure that where, when and where we can that we're doing that type of stuff together and we make sure that we certainly don't pave a road only to dig it up you know a year later that's that's yeah. poor planning I guess the other part I was thinking about it was the budget as well mm -hmm. right because if we could do a culvert as part of the senior housing and it's in that budget that gives us more money in the culvert budget to do other ones yes yeah so all of that stuff is taken into consideration and that's one of the reasons why you heard uh, the DBW director talk about the pavement management plan. Well, that, now we have a sidewalk uh, management plan, uh, and now we have a grant to do a townwide uh, prioritization plan for uh, complete streets. When that prioritization plan for the whole town is done, all three of these plans kind of merge together. You identify spots and and the best ones are where you can get the most bang for your buck where you're going to be able to fix the drainage and the sidewalk and the roadway and ideally get some grant funding to do that as well so that's exactly the process that we're that we're following and that's why sometimes you know when you when you're doing this uh, a road might need to be fixed but it's being delayed 
pending a sewer project that we know is coming in a year. And so uh, usually my experience, if you can explain to a resident what you're doing and why, they go, oh, okay, that makes sense to me. Really, just like the capital budget, you know, in many towns, a capital plan is just a giant wish list that clumps all together in years two and three, right? What this committee worked very hard in working with department heads was to make it a, a truly viable plan that gets updated, but there's a reasonable expectation that when something gets included in the plan, it's going to get funded at, on a, at a timetable that makes sense. It might get bumped a year or two based on the amount of funding that you have or grants that you're seeking, whatever. Uh, but when you talk to residents, if they know that, you know, that's that their sidewalk or their road's going to get done as part of a project that's happening in a year, you know, they just want to they want to know uh, time wise that it's it's not just well, it's on the list and we're not quite sure we're going to get it, get to it. So uh, we do that the best we can. I mean, but there are the issue that we face and you've heard me talk about this a hundred times is when it comes to infrastructure, there's always way more needs than there are than there is funding. So there are some, you know, we know where we're going to be in the next year or two, you know, four or five years out. The further out you go, the fuzzier it gets in terms of because things break, grant funding becomes available or if grant funding gets cut, you know, those types of things. So we're constantly readjusting the plan based on the current environment. All right. Any other questions, guys? So, John, you're looking for... Uh, if, I, if, if, if you want, let me just, for the record, let me, I can run through the, uh, the capital budget projects and the costs that are under your consideration this evening. Okay. So the fiscal 2023 capital budget consists of uh, $165,000 for uh, police cruiser replacements. That's for three cruisers, as presented by the police chief. Uh, an ambulance replacement for $400,000 to be paid for out of the EMS revolving fund. A downtown master plan study for $150,000 to be paid for out of free cash. And then you get into the DPW. You've got roadway improvements and maintenance for $454,000 uh, free cash. A one-ton dump truck with plow replacement at $130,000 funded with free cash. Uh, the culvert and drainage replacement program at $300,000 of free cash again. A loader replacement at $290,000 funded with free cash. Uh, a backhoe, uh, I'm sorry, a 20-ton dump truck with spreader and plow for $340,000 uh, funded with free cash. And then a backhoe replacement at $195,000 funded with free cash. And then the last uh, project is the uh, DPW sewer inflow uh, and outflow mitigation repairs. This is uh, inflow and outflow um, is uh, water that's either getting in or getting out of your sewer. Uh, basically, this is the uh, cycle of repair work. So we've identified where the leaks are, and this is $360,000 taken out of the sewer enterprise funds free cash to make the repairs of the leaks uh, that were identified. In total, uh, the projects uh, are $2,784,000, and uh, none of which will have any additional tax impact if approved. And again, the majority of this is a lot of routine equipment. The reason for so much DBW equipment is roughly half of it was postponed over the last two years because of COVID. So we've got several large pieces of equipment like a 20-ton dump truck and a loader and a backhoe. We never do three large 
projects like that, equipment replacements in a year. We spread those out every other year, but this is the backlog that needs to be addressed uh, in order for us to try to get back on schedule. So that's the capital budget as presented. Okay. Um, so you're looking for a vote on our approval of? Yep, so as part of your uh, review, uh, this committee's job is to make uh, recommendations with regard to all capital projects to town meeting. So uh, if you're comfortable, unless you, if you, there's any additional information or questions that you, you have or information that you need, uh, we certainly can postpone and, uh, and provide that to you. Otherwise, tonight it would be helpful if we moved forward to keep schedule uh, with the committee approving the capital budget uh, FY23 capital budget as presented, and then we can um, start working on the uh, the recommendation report of the committee for town meeting. All right. You make you guys good? Yeah. yeah, this is all pretty simple right here. I'll entertain a motion. I move to approve the capital uh, budget as proposed and outlined. Second. Second. All right. Is there any further discussion on it? Anything else? Who is the second? There, any okay. discussion on it? Anything further? All right. All those in favor of approval? Unanimous. Excellent. Um, thank you. Uh, give me one second. Mm -hmm. you want to do something about these? Yeah. The CPC? Yeah. We usually put in on the capital yep. ones. Yeah. So if, um, so it's a little bit unique in that we have, uh, we have a formal capital improvement process that we have that falls under the jurisdiction of this committee. And then we have sort of a, um, a, a different process that's followed by the Community Preservation Committee under the Community Preservation Act. So John Campbell, the chair, was in here tonight. He ran through the projects that, uh, that uh, their committee's already approved, so they're on the warrant, they're going to town meeting. Uh, it is really at this committee's discretion whether or not you choose to make a recommendation on any of their projects. Some of them don't qualify as a capital uh, project, um, so you wouldn't normally um, make any recommendations. If I may, uh, I, can, I can, if we run through these, um, my suggestion would be uh, that you might want to take up the senior housing project, uh, given the order of magnitude and the fact that it, uh, that it, it um, uh, you know, is a direct outgrowth of the of the master plan, and if you know, again, this project is um, where the reason it moved forward so quickly is you know, there's eight hundred thousand dollars in grant funding. Uh, one of the things that we're finding right now, it's just crazy, is that the state has so much money right now between the infrastructure bills and ARPA, and they have a massive budget surplus in fiscal twenty twenty two is that they're just pushing money out. And so uh, the towns that are able to jump on it are able to take advantage of it. This is one of those projects. So the senior housing project, uh, you, you, would, you may want to take up. Uh, the affordable housing reserve, no, because that's an automatic thing. Uh, the Brigham Street burial ground beautification, I would probably pass on that one. It's mostly cleaning up and tree work. It's not really capital in nature. The Kaiser T Cemetery signage, again, it's $5,000, not really a capital project. The Historic Society building, it's $55,000, but it's not a town building. You don't control it. You really don't have any input on that. Uh, the Acibit Park fencing has come off, so that's not necessary. 
The dog park design, I think it would be nice in the capital improvement plan that you have, that's part of your, your, your project, is a dog park. It's out a few years. This is going to help us get there with design money, so I hope the committee might would support this. The ADA accessible trail design at the Senior Center is another project that was supported by this committee in the past when we were trying to get grant funding. Um, it's a uh, it's something that's you know walkability and ADA accessible trails is a is a again a key thing coming out of the master plan. If you wanted to, I think that would be appropriate uh, for you to support as well, given that. You know, that's 28,500. It certainly would meet the threshold. Uh, the aqueduct uh, bridge, pedestrian access, is another one. Uh, to Mike's point, it's going to be a significant project. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, walkability, trails, these are all priorities that have been identified by the Master Plan Implementation Committee. The conservation fund is a set aside. Uh, the White Cliffs debt. That's another one that I, it's funny because I think if you don't recommend it and if town meeting doesn't want to approve it, we still have to pay it. <laughs> it's, it's like your mortgage. It's really not discretionary, but, uh, but it's helpful, I think, at town meeting for the residents to see that everybody's in unanimous support that this is something that needs to be funded. Uh, and then the administration is one that you wouldn't. So ones that I think you might want to talk about is a senior, uh, senior housing project the dog park design, the ADA trail design at the senior center, the aqueduct pedestrian access design, and the White Cliffs debt. But you certainly could do more or less. It's really at your discretion. Historically, what this committee's done is we've tried to look at uh, community preservation uh, projects that if they weren't funded by community preservation, would have come through your committee in some form or not. Nobody's. Nobody would come to you for $5,000 worth of signage because it doesn't meet the threshold to be included in the capital budget. So that's sort of the informal policy and approach that the committee's used in the past. Yep. Any questions on any of these? Or any more information? Or any more time or anything? The only one that concerns me is the aqueduct bridge. Mm -hmm. not, that I, not that I'm concerned about the project itself. I think it makes all kinds of sense. Those of us who, you know, up here or whatever have definitely been up there it's just what happens next and i don't like you know maybe that's the whole point of yes. spending you know we're spending one hundred thirty-three thousand dollars. i think that was the number to tell us what we may end up spending in the future and i'd hate again take to spend 133 and they come back at you know 2.5 million is what it cost mm -hmm. well then i think we might have wasted 133 grand but hate to say maybe that's what we can do with community preservation funds is something like this so i definitely want us to uh have a say, you know, a recommendation and what happens there, but. I think your point, your comment, Mike, is that in order to get to the next phase, you need to spend the, you need to spend the money. And I, we wouldn't, uh, I can tell you the dollar figure, but, excuse me, but the concept is, because uh, I didn't want to get, wouldn't want to get held to anything, um, but working with the DPW director, this isn't money that's just spent on just sort of like spitballing. It's really designing and getting it to uh, getting it to where we'd have a solid number so that we can move forward with it. But we wouldn't bring it forward in the DB. You know Scott Sharpentier, he's not going to bring something forward if it's if it's two and a half million dollars. You would know that on the front end. It's it's something that uh, CPC should be able to handle in moving it forward. Yeah, and we've taken a few cracks at this, and the problem is, you know, again, you know, it's funny. Um, John Campbell, in particular chafed a little bit when the Community Preservation Act started 
And we were all trying to figure out, well, how does the uh, Financial Planning Committee, what's their role relative relative to these projects? And in the beginning, we had people, well-intentioned people, coming in and asking for a significant amount of money out of the gate for a project only to find out that, you know, they didn't really have good information. And so working with John, uh, he's now embraced this whole idea of splitting projects up into a sort of a design phase uh, where you're getting a good design and a real cost estimate based on that design so that you can then ask for construction costs. And so that's what you're seeing here is the dog park, the uh, trail, and the aqueduct is getting the design work so that you can move forward. But um, I, I, you know, again, I, I don't, I don't think. Well, we wouldn't bring it forward if we didn't, if it, if it, if it wasn't something that was is reasonable for us to contemplate actually doing moving forward. So, yeah, as our friend Roger would say, I do feel like a dinosaur having been here before, <laughs> and I definitely like the way everyone works together now. You know, it it, it is a yeah. much smoother process, and I think that's why you know some of these really great projects, like the senior housing one. Yep. is everyone working together, getting grant money, and I don't know if that would have happened eight, nine, ten years ago. Yeah. I like the way... Uh, See, the great, the great projects are the one where you've got so many agencies with skin in the game. You know, you've got, you've got the, the Northboro Affordable Housing Corp putting the money that was set aside for them. You have the Northboro Housing Authority putting $200,000 in. You had the state coming up with 800000 in grant funding, and then the town general government with $100,000 in ARPA funding. And it sort of, you know, Everybody's got a lot, lot into it, and um, if you're going to develop affordable housing, and I know that people have varying, people have varying um, feelings about affordable housing, you know, through 40B and there are different programs, but the one thing most everybody, you know, unanimously agrees on is you know the need for senior affordable housing, and and particularly um, accessible senior housing. So uh, here you have uh, land owned by the Northboro Housing Authority. They've got space for another building. You know, again, it, it, you know, I, like to, I, I always like to talk about how we look at things for six years, and when things come before you, they don't fall out of the sky. The only times they really fall out of the sky on us is when something really bad happens, something blows up or breaks that there was no way to anticipate, or the state or federal government comes you know, comes you know, trotting in and drops a, a big carrot in front of you in the form of a, ma- a a very large grant, and usually it's if you want it, you got to move on it quickly. So you always want to have that flexibility. And again, uh, you had this reserve of all this money that was set aside, and the Northboro Affordable Housing Corp, which is a private nonprofit, was actively looking for a project. Well, this is the project. Uh, they just needed a little bit more to make it happen. But, uh, but that's a, you know, again, it's a great use of, uh, of funding. Uh, question. Yes. I wish Don was still here, but presumably he's gotten more than one bid on this, this design study for the aqueduct uh, pedestrian access design. Do we know that? Um, yeah, we would, uh, uh, Scott Charpentier would be the one to work with uh, consultants to obtain consulting services. That was the other thing that, that we've improved over the years is the process, breaking things up, but also when somebody wants to do something like a, a dog park or the aqueduct, pedestrian brick, they start, when they come to the CPC, the first thing they CPC and John says is, go talk to the town administrator. And then I'm like, well, what do you want to do? And then I pair them up with the appropriate staff so that 
within reason what we can do in terms of professional uh, engineering services and expertise. It's mostly just we know the consultants, we know the the um, the ways to put uh, get quotes. You know, if if one of you you know call up an engineering company and said, you know, can you get me a quote on something? Uh, they know who who are you? You know what I mean? Whereas. Uh, you know, we got the town DPW director who's a professional engineer. Uh, he's able to get the information. And then we're able to come back to the CPC. So when they approve these things, there's a reasonable expectation that, you know, this funding is, is good, you know. So it's been a much smoother partnership. Uh, it was, it, it chafed a little in the beginning because I think everybody's well-intentioned, but there was a concern of, well, you know, this is our process and this committee shouldn't chime in. And we're all trying to get to the same place, which is we want to make sure that they're good projects, that they're flushed out, and that when they get approved that there's sufficient funds to do them correctly, which means paying prevailing wages and all of that stuff. And we tend to spend more money in the public sector on design work for the simple fact that once we bid it out, you're beholden to that design. You're going to get the low bidder. If your, pro if your design isn't good, then you're going to get either a poor product or more than likely you're going to get a bunch of change orders that are going to kill you and escalate the cost of your project. There are poor contractors out there that literally shop around and they look for plans that are poorly done. They low bid it, and then as soon as they get the job, and I mean like within days of getting the award, start pointing out all the change orders for things that, because the designs aren't, aren't really good. So that's why, you know, in the public sector, you gotta have good, you gotta spend the money on the design on the front end. If you remember, just a little side story for folks, if you remember, uh, we had a group bring forward a platform down at Memorial Field. It was a quick and dirty, you know, I'm a contractor, I can, you know, it, it was well-meaning, well-intentioned. And we said, that's not going to fly, it's not prevailing wage, you need to have it designed. And that was one where, working with John Campbell, he chafed a little bit at how much we had to spend on the front end for the design work. Well, we designed it, we bid it out, and lo and behold, we got a horrible contractor. And we wound up in court with them. And guess what? We prevailed because the design was so good that we can show and document everything that they did wrong back to that design. Had we not done that, we would have we would have not been able to prevail in court. So, uh, so you know that's the that's life in the public sector for you. So, all right, uh, you guys want to talk any more about um, the community preservation committee's uh, projects? They're good. Uh, I'll entertain uh, a motion for uh, approval of these five items. I uh, I move to approve the five uh, community preservation items. Okay. I hear a second. Second. All right. Any further discussion? All those in favor of um, supporting the community preservation committee items? All those in favor? And just and just for the record, the five items are the senior housing uh, project, the dog park design, the ADA accessible trail design at the senior center, the aqueduct bridge pedestrian access design, and the whitelist debt service. Okay, thank you. Again, I think you know, although you don't have to, I think it's helpful um, for this committee. You're just making, you're just recommending approval. It just show, it just puts your weight behind the good work that's been done. 
and uh, and it eliminates a question of why isn't the committee in favor of these projects or why are you silent on these projects? And the ones that you're silent on, you're like, well, we don't chime in on a five thousand uh, dollar sign. It's not it's not something under the purview of of the committee. Okay. All right. It looks like the next item on our uh, agenda here is a review of the draft of the town meeting warrant. Okay. So uh, there's really nothing you need to do with this. This is uh, just uh, an FYI for you. Uh, but if you just turn to the uh, first two pages, which is the table of contents, you can see uh, we're looking at about uh, 44 articles right now. Um, one article may fall off. Uh, it, they're with town council right now for his final review and editing. Uh, but uh, the part that I would draw your attention to is Article 11 through Article 20. Those are the capital improvement projects that uh, you voted to recommend a few moments ago. And then uh, you know, Article 21 that's on here is, is the one that's likely to be removed. Um, and then you get into community preservation, which right now starts around Article 23 and continues through Article 32. So those are community preservation. So you can see the articles. The numbers may change if uh, an article drops out. So um, again, this just, just, just for your information. Beyond that, then, are uh, a series of zoning articles uh, that uh, are going to come before the board. And then there's a couple of, there's two citizens' petitions. One is to permanently move the annual, move annual town meeting to Saturday at 9 a.m. And the other is uh, uh, a proposal for the uh, property tax exemption for Gold Star parents. This is the, the BRAVE Act that was at, went to town meeting last year and was not, uh, was not passed. So those are the, you know, those, that's the warrant as it uh, stands right now. Um, pretty, uh, you know, pretty reasonable and no real um, surprises in there. Okay. I wasn't sure that John Campbell was going to make it. Uh, he, he had to travel for work. I really appreciate that he, he scrambled to get here tonight. And one of the reasons why I would make sure that you had the warrant is, uh, that he would use the warrant to go through his articles. Uh, but then at the last minute, uh, literally just before the meeting, he sent over the memo, which I printed out for you guys. That's why that wasn't in the packet. So that's really one of the main reasons why I included a, a copy of the draft warrant. But this will be finalized and approved at the selectmen's meeting on Monday the 28th. So okay. the date and time of town meeting will be decided at the board of selectmen's meeting on Monday the 28th. So the standard bylaw uh, requires town meeting to be on the fourth Monday of April. So that would be April 25th, and it would be consecutive nights. Normally, an agenda like this would be one or two nights, so April 25th and April 26th. The board of selectmen had the moderator in at their last meeting uh, just to discuss, you know, the last two town meetings were held outside due to COVID. You know, we're sort of uh, coming out of things, but, you know, I don't want to make any assumptions. So they had a discussion, decided they were going to wait and listen to some community input. Uh, and at their next meeting, they're going to decide whether or not to hold town meeting outside or inside. There's financial implications uh, outside in the football field. It's about anywhere from ten to twelve thousand dollars for chairs and uh, uh, AV and tents and police details and, and so forth. Uh, so uh, if it is held outside, they would likely, they would have to release some ARPA funding to, to pay for that, which is completely acceptable. Um, 
Uh, so it was, it's either going to be April 25th and 26th or uh, where's my calendar or the Saturday the 30th. So we've reserved both uh, uh, dates with the high school and selectmen will vote when they vote to post a warrant on Monday. They'll have to choose the date and time as well. So, so that's why that's up in the air. I really hope this COVID thing sh shakes out and we can move on because it's just everything has been tossed into uh, into uh, a blender. <laughs> uh, the blender is a good is a perfect way of describing it. I feel like I've been tossed into a blender. So. All right. Next John. Uh, next item. Would appears to be the discussion regarding the opera presentation to the Board of Selectmen. Yes. So uh, in your packet uh, is a copy of the March 14th uh, presentation that I did to the Board of Selectmen regarding the ARPA funds. Um, this was the follow-up to the January 24th presentation that I did. So I made the presentation in January. Uh, uh, regarding ARPA funds, a lot of background information, and then uh, talked about a you know a tentative plan. That plan then was refined uh, and brought back to the board on the 14th. Um, and uh, the board chose. Uh, I'm not going to go through the presentation. You've seen you know you've seen these slides, uh, but I certainly can answer any questions that anybody has with regard to eligibility and the process of of the ARPA funds. But um, Part of that uh, discussion was talking about the town's response to the pandemic. And it's important that people understand how Northboro got through the pandemic because every town uh, did it differently. The way we did it was we you know, cut operating budgets, we postponed capital, uh, we stopped putting uh, $200,000 annually into the stabilization fund, our rainy day fund. And the big one is that we cut over a million dollars of funding that would have gone into our other post-employment trust fund. So those were uh, very carefully identified uh, cuts that wouldn't have an immediate impact on the services. The last thing you want to do in a crisis is then reduce services while, uh, while people need them the most. And so it's, this is the equivalent, I, I use the uh, analogy of in your personal life, if you lost your job, first thing you do is stop putting money into your retirement account. You probably don't buy that new car. You postpone that. You scale back your living expenses uh, wherever you can. You stop going out to eat. You cut subscriptions, things of that nature. Um, that's pretty much on a macro scale what we did. We stopped putting money into the trust fund. We postponed capital investments, which luckily, because we had been on such a regular investment schedule with capital, we knew exactly when we, that we can postpone that equipment, that postponing a police cruiser wasn't going to cause them any real issues, right? But then we want to get back on the schedule. We stopped putting money into the savings account. You know, that's our stabilization fund. So all of these things need to be replenished. The operating budget needs to get back to where it was. The, uh, we're putting money in fiscal 23. We're proposing to put 200000 into the stabilization fund. We're clearly doing uh, pay-as-go capital. And, uh, and uh, we were also proposing to phase back in the OPEB funding into the operating budget. So if you look at the, I apologize when it was printed, it didn't have a, uh, the slide numbers, but the slide, the fiscal 23 proposed CIP and ARPA projects, this is a, is a slide that I've shown you many times. 
So the two right-hand columns, uh, you can see the projects that you just approved uh, for recommendation going to town meeting. Those are all the free cash. On the right are the projects that were proposed to be funded with ARPA. The Board of Selectmen authorized the affordable housing, the Acibit Fence, Pickleball, Alternates, and the Bewell Northborough. Everything else is on hold. And there were some concerned expressed that uh, that the town hasn't um, hasn't uh, asked the community where they would like to uh, spend the money. And I think part of the uh, part of the uh, part of the issue that we faced is a, a timing issue. Uh, let me talk about that for a moment. First of all, we didn't have the final rule from the U.S. Treasury until January 1st. So a lot of communities ran around trying to figure out how to spend the money, only to find out that the rules changed at the 11th hour and things that they wanted to spend money on is are, they're now eligible for and maybe some of the things that they didn't wouldn't have quite fit. So those final rules just came out January 6th. The other thing is we know we got here by cutting capital. So when we closed out the fiscal year and our auditor retired, so we had to hire a new auditor. So the closeout of fiscal 21 is normally complete by November. That wasn't complete until closer to the December. So that's why this committee's work got delayed. You guys, it's hot and heavy, quick at the end, in part because we didn't have the free cash numbers and everything was delayed in addition to you know, the CARES Act, compliance, and everything else, and bringing new auditors on. So once we had that number, and then knowing what the number is, working with the departments to figure out what the best scheduling and funding plan to update the capital improvement plan was, that's how this table came to be at the end of January, done in pretty quick order. And, um, and obviously, the, the projects were funded with free cash are the ones that would normally be in the capital budget. Uh, and then... The other proposed capital projects, I already talked about, you know, the impact. We're going to have to pay for these one way or another. And if you use available funds, it frees up your capacity in the capital budget and the operating budget to do other things that you might want to do. Um, but if you take money and you do other things with it, it doesn't. The engine has to be replaced. And the roof has to be replaced. And, and the DEP compliance of the tight tank has to be done. So these are unavoidable expenses. So what we tried to do is put forward, in our opinion, what was the most cost-effective plan that would, in three years out, again, strengthen our financial position and not weaken it. Um, as part of that process, in bringing this forward, in part, it had to come forward when it did because we've got to get the town meeting warrant. It has to be, they closed the warrant on the 14th. So it's a, a lot of scrambling to get all this stuff to come together at the end very quickly. And so that's why we put this together. The board, uh, some members of the board felt that um, there wasn't enough public input. Uh, there's certainly uh, no shortage of ideas to how to spend four and a half million dollars. Uh, and I was at a, a, a town manager's uh, meeting on Friday to talk about ARPA with all of my colleagues across the state. And it was interesting. There were a, a, a lot of them that just are moving forward. They say, look, we have a master plan or, and we have a capital improvement plan. And it's one-time money's over two years. And that's where we're spending it. A lot of them are taking the money and they're just using it to fund one really big sewer project or water project or environmental issue that they have. So that's, you know, that's what a good number of them doing. The smaller communities are just using it for capital. 
And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the town of Brookline, which gets $38 million, far more than we did. They hired a full-time person to do a whole process. And it's, there's, you know, the person doing the presentation made a comment like, you know, there's the normal way and then there's the, the Brookline way. You know, they're sort of unique in and of themselves. So they're on the other end. And then in the middle, you know, there's, there's a, a smattering of, of some towns just sent out a survey, some held a couple public input sessions. Um, but uh, we're seeing there were a number of residents uh, who would like us to do a much more extensive public outreach. And that's fine. If the board chooses to do that, there's, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. But in my opinion, and I stated this at the meeting on the 14th, it's the board and committee's job and its staff's job to frame these issues up. It's one thing to ask somebody, how would you spend $4.5 million and get whatever idea they come up with? First of all, it has to be compliant, you know, qualify. But the other is, if they're making that judgment call, that value call, in the absence of understanding what the needs are, uh, what other competing options there are, they're making that decision in a vacuum. And the purpose of bringing this proposal forward was to provide some structure and context to that discussion. So, and again, there's uh, the whole second half of the funding that would still be coming. Um, so I don't know what the board's going to do. Uh, you know, there's certainly um, uh, something to be said for having appropriate public input. But again, absent context, um, and that's my concern. There were a couple of calls to, to start this process earlier, and I kept saying, we don't know the rules. I don't have my free cash yet, so I don't know what projects we can fund to get back on track and what projects we might have to fund with ARPA to get rid of that, the, that capital backlog. Uh, so all of this stuff kind of flushed out you know, very quickly over the last few weeks, and, you know, and some people would like that process to go uh, longer and involve more people, which again, my job is to make sure that the context is there for these decisions. And, uh, and so my concern is that there are conversations in, uh, that are occurring right now online that are devoid of any context, and, and sometimes the information isn't accurate either. Uh, but that's social media for you. So what I think will probably happen is moving forward, uh, having the context in the plan now, then the board can have a discussion and, uh, and take public input. And, <laughs> They can make a decision. What I'd like uh, in an ideal world, because this is how we've done everything for the last 14 years, is um, we've gotten all of the policy-making boards and committees in, the, in one room at the same time, right? So, if, so when we talked about the Lincoln Street School Building Project, it wasn't just the school committee and you guys, right? It was the board. It was appropriations. It was everybody. Um, and so ultimately, that's probably the best approach uh, at least in terms of providing the context. Um, but I would hope that uh, this committee uh, would participate and provide your thoughts in terms of uh, what would be in the best interest of the community. Um, but if you look at the presentation, the detail is in here regarding the fire engine replacement, the highway tight tank, the Proctor School roof repairs. Uh, the Proctor School roof uh, repairs, which is distinct, and you heard from Keith Lavoy when he came to present to you last week, is that they're making initial repairs, but the whole flat, the whole flat section, so the roof, 40,000 square feet, at about $1.5 million needs to be replaced. Um, we know from the sidewalk backlog 
that we've got $1.5 million in, in repairs that need to be made. And so, the, and knowing that from the Master Plan Implementation Committee, the two top priorities that they voted, they actually voted and said, these are the two things we would like to see move forward. Downtown Master Plan and sidewalks, walkability, complete streets. So that's why the sidewalk repairs were placed in here at $400,000. And then the Affordable Housing Corp. Uh, the only item, the only item that uh, out of ARPA in the plan that was proposed to be used in the operating budget, because again, these are one-time revenues, and you don't want to hire staff or expand programs, right? Because you'll create a structural deficit because they're recurring expenses. The only operating use of ARPA that was proposed was for uh, OPEB. And we talked about this. I can't remember if it was you or the Appropriations Committee because I have meetings almost every night uh, this time of year. Um, but the OPEB was cut, $550,000 out of the operating budget. In fiscal 23, there's $300,000 in the tax base. And we were proposing to use two fifty dollars from ARPA to make it whole this year. And then next year, it's all in the tax base. It's a way to phase it in so it doesn't cause a spike in the tax impact. Because this year, we're looking at a significant tax increase because of the value of single-family homes, not because of the budgets. So we're forecasting about a $560 tax impact, which is the highest uh, I've seen in the 14 years I've been your manager. The vast majority of that is due to the single-family homes. Shrewsbury and Westboro are looking at $1,100 or $1,300 tax increases because for the same reason, for the same reason. So on a relative basis, if it wasn't for that increase in single-family home values and that shifting of the tax burden, you know, we'd, we'd be looking at a you know, $280, you know, typical $280 increase. So, so that's why OPEB was included in there, um, to phase it back into the operating budget. You've got to get back on track. Now, it, that, you can make the argument that of, that, of the OPEB, uh, I'm sorry, of the ARPA funds, that we really should put a million dollars one time back into that fund to get back to where we were. Uh, I was trying to be reasonable, and uh, you know, again, if you lose your job, you stop putting money into, into your retirement fund, first thing you need to do is get back to what you were contributing, and then if you can, contribute a little bit more to make up for lost time. This plan is just to get back to where we were, to phase it in. So if this doesn't happen, then we're going to be, uh, instead of $1.1 million behind, we'll be, we'll be $250,000 uh, further behind. So, I'm just yes. a little confused on the selectmen's reluctance. It seems, I don't want to get into a moral or ethical debate, but this money was intended to replace these exact things we didn't have. It's, it's not like bonus fund money. Like, uh, again, that could be my moral or ethical issue that, you know, this money was released to make towns whole and fix all the things we gave up on. Every one of these things is going to have to be paid for. I don't understand, you know, not, you know, fixing a fire engine now to replace it in a year. I don't understand why the reluctance uh, to go forward with these things that absolutely have to be done. I, th I think part of the issue is that, as I said, uh, how towns have approached the use of ARPA funds is up and down the spectrum from they just paid for one sewer project or they just paid for capital projects to on the other end Brookline that's having this whole long process um, and so a number of towns 
again, I, I don't know when the last time a town did their master plan or whether or not they have a viable capital budget. Okay, so um, also a number of communities that have received a good amount of star, uh, ARPA funding, you know, these are communities that, that have census track, um, you know, areas. In other words, uh, there's uh, large uh, pockets of people disproportionately impacted by the pandemic. Uh, there are poor neighborhoods. Uh, there are towns that have homeless populations. There are towns that have a lot of housing insecurity. There are towns that have a lot of food insecurity. And so I think you know uh, people have expressed you know concern like why aren't we doing anything for you know for you know um, food insecurity? And then but because and again that's a legitimate question. You know we have a community meals program and we have a food pantry. The food pantry actually donated money back to the town senior center because they have so much. Uh, available funds to them. You know, Northboro doesn't have a lot of those needs. Um, and we've been able to successfully obtain hundreds of thousands of dollars in grants uh, through the uh, Department of Public Health, the Metro West uh, Health Foundation. And so we've been able to address a lot of these needs across the board. Um, the Be Well Northboro initiative really came out of the discussion among the department's heads about uh, we have a, we have a uh, COVID task force uh, that met on a weekly basis for almost two years. They dissolved and then we, you know, we had to start meeting again in January because things were going crazy again. But the spinoff from that was all the social services, the schools, family services, senior center, saying, you know, do you have the resources you need to meet the needs of the populations? And the, the answer was, by and large, you know, yes, but there's this underlying anxiety and um, feeling of isolation. And that was the birth of the Be Well Northboro Initiative, which is basically just trying to get you know, community events out there. And uh, they're going to throw a, 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 a end of the school year party for the kids at 135 and you know, uh, run some recreation programs. And the senior center is going to do a mindfulness. So it's all sorts of stuff that will be happening over the next year. And so... That was staff's attempt to package this up and give it to the board. Really, I don't. What, really, what you heard was more of a a process complaint. You've heard me a million times say the reason why we follow the distinguished budget award and why we do the trend monitoring. All this is we want to make sure we have good information and good process, uh, and that eliminates ninety percent of complaints because then people can just say I either value that or I don't value that, and I'm going to vote for it or not based on my personal values, right? What we saw at the board's meeting on the 14th was a, a process complaint, which is you know, nobody's asked us. And so it, I think we could do a better job in terms of communicating the, um, the context of these funds and how they could be used, how they are allowed to be used. But people have all sorts of ideas. Uh, someone sent me one today that said we should spend a million dollars to dredge out ASABIT so that kayakers could use it. Okay, putting aside the Wetlands Protection Act, uh, you know, is that where you would choose to, to spend the money? And, and there's a lot of well-meaning proposals of saying things like, you know, you know, uh, can you, you know, we're doing things to help people that were disproportionately hit by the pandemic. And so um, the problem is for Northboro is, look, we're not perfect. We have a little bit of everything, but we don't have a large homeless population. We don't have a large population of people experiencing food insecurity or housing insecurity or you know, that type of stuff. So that's where the Be Well Northboro is sort of scaled down and in, in being able to address um, you know, potential issues. I think the biggest one that 
we do need to talk about is uh, you know, what can or should we do for the business community, frankly. And again, I talked about this earlier, is, you know, the master plan, downtown master plan, has a whole component for engaging the business community in terms of what they would like to see. And then ideally, marrying up any incentives that we have that would encourage them to improve their businesses, revitalize the downtown in a way that, you know, the, as the saying says, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats, as opposed to, you know, I've seen a number of communities that put all sorts of quick grant programs together and businesses either don't qualify or the administrative costs are more than the money that they've, they've actually distributed. So, but we can, we can talk about those. And there's still room in the plan that was brought forward to still talk of the, about those things. But, um, but this was conceived of as a way that would take care of the, the nuts and bolts of things that we have to do, free up budget capacity and tax impact to do other things down the road. So ultimately, it's all going to fall back on, you know, on, the, on the tax bill. And so we just need to be sensitive for, for uh, regarding that. So um, the, the the bottom line, Mike, is uh, despite the fact that at least several of the board members were very supportive of the plan, uh, you know, the, is the idea of you know, do we need to put more process around this? And if we do, what does that process look like? Doesn't um, that seem like there is a process? These things have been vetted. I mean, I don't want to smirch anybody, any committee, any anything. There's enough, there's enough boards, committees, studies. We have policies and procedures in place. We've had them for a good 10, 15 years. This is one-time revenue, should follow one-time expenses. We have it. I don't know why we need to reinvent the wheel. Um, that's just my, that's why. And, and I think, look, I think there's some middle ground here where I think that, you know, we, you know, we can do the, the solid things that need to be done. Look, the bottom line is, and we spent a lot of time at the meeting talking about the $800,000 fire engine. You either you can you can either pay as you go for it using ARPA money, or you can finance it using debt. But you're going to replace it. There's, that's that's the only option that isn't there. And you can't repair it. You know, it's like if you got a 20 year old apparatus that costs $800,000. It's the equivalent of you know if you got a 10 or 12 year old car. You know, and you keep throwing a thousand, two thousand into it. You know, it's fine if you if you break down. And look, I'm I'm the first guy that drives a twelve year old car. By the way, I don't get rid of my cars under ten years because I'm cheap, right? The difference is if I break down, I have to walk to work. If a fire engine or a police cruiser breaks down on their way to an emergency, people are going to get hurt. This isn't stuff that you can mess around with. So it needs to be replaced, and that's why we have. You know, everything, every piece of equipment that the fire chief has is on a on a 10 or 20 year replacement schedule, just like DPW and just like our police cruisers are on a tighter five year replacement schedule because they get beat up so bad. And, you know, so people it, it's an education component. There's a there's 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 a there's trying to educate people about the context because you know, most people don't know what this committee does, don't know what a capital improvement plan is, and may not have, you know, this information. The average person probably couldn't tell you what OPEB is. I have, you know, board members that don't know, you know, what OPEB is. And um, so, you know, and that's fine. You know, you, but my job and your job is to, is to 
educate them, bring them up to speed, provide context for the discussion, so that when you're making a value-added judgment, that you're doing it with good information, and you know, and a good process. So, uh, the stuff that's coming in, uh, it's interesting because you know, as I said, there's another meeting that's going on tonight. Uh, we'll go on tonight at seven o'clock by a, a, a separate group, not affiliated with the town, asking people what they think we should spend ARPA on. The stuff that, that's coming out of it, the emails that already started coming into my office this afternoon, are things that we're already doing or have plans to do, but they don't know. So it's a, it's a communication gap that needs to be filled in some way. It's a process and communication. Whether or not we end up uh, in the same place remains to be seen, uh, but there, I think, again, this plan didn't commit $4.5 million. It was roughly half the funds to take care of the things that we cut, and there's still ample time and resources to talk about other potential needs and how they interplay with other plans. It, in, the, in this next year, we've got a downtown master plan study that's going to go on. We have a town-wide prioritization plan for complete streets, which is sidewalks, walkability, bike lanes, right? So these plans will roll out. Those will inform other capital investments. And so when you have those plans done, you're going to look to try to fund those. Well, ARPA funding is a, probably a good source for doing that, as well as the capital plan. But, you know, that's, that's the concept. Um, but I think, uh, well, it's, it's a process. It's a process complaint. And so it's incumbent upon us to add some more process and to explain context. And then ultimately, uh, the boards and committees that have the authority to vote on it will vote on it. And that's the system that that's in place so mm -hmm. there's no you know again if they tried to do something that was if anybody tried to do something that was illegal uh, non-compliant or unethical then I would make sure that they knew that but like most decisions you know it's it's not a, a hard right or wrong like whether or not you spend 10 grand to paint your house or go on vacation is is up to you I would paint my house before I had, went on vacation but you know the issue is just I, my concern leading up to the January 24th meeting was not asking for public input until we had some more context because you're going to get people, you're going to build expectations about what you're going to do with funding. Um, without that context, you know, some of that stuff would fall to the wayside right out of the gate and you wouldn't spend so much time talking about it. But, um, but this has just been a timing issue. This past year, uh, again, the budgets are late. The, all the compliance issues with the federal government and FEMA has got my, my uh, finance office all jammed up. You know, I'm jammed up. We got, you know, we're running clinics. We're doing all this other stuff. Everything is just running a little bit late. So, you know, I'm a big, all you ever hear me talk about is information and process. That's how, there's a reason why we got 14 consecutive years of award-winning budgets through with Indianapolis support of everybody. This is the first time, you know, we've gotten complaints around process. And so we can pump the brake and add some process, and then we'll wind up where we wind up. But there's a role for everybody, including this committee, in, um, you know, making sure that people understand why we would propose something like this. Um, 
And again, just running the quick numbers, you know, if these projects get financed, you know, as I look out, if we don't use ARPA funding for these projects that have been proposed, uh, for the first half of ARPA funding, you know, you're going to add another two and a half million dollars of debt service over the next 10 years, another $50 or so to the average single family home tax bill for the next 10 years, every year. Then you're going to be coming to them asking for a fire station building project that's going to be at least $16 million, so several hundred dollar impact on the tax bill. We're talking about, you know, feasibility study and looking at moving town hall to the old 4 West Main Street potentially. So you're talking about another uh, building renovation project there. It could be another five or six million dollars for that. Uh, again, on the tax base, state aid, as you've heard me say a uh, hundred times, is going up one percent. All the pressure is on the tax bill, and there needs to be some sensitivity to that. And I don't think it's important for us to show people how this all links up and where it ultimately leads to. Uh, and then if they make an informed decision, that's, our, that's my job anyway. I can, I'll patch it together, but when we have to finance the Proctor roof and the engine and the DEP project and the tax impact hits and someone says, well, why, you know, why, are we, why do we have to do this? All, you know, it's not I told you so. It's just, well, this is why we do all. This is why we have this very long meeting every December where everybody's in the same room and, and we all agree on the assumptions for the upcoming budget so that somebody doesn't say, oh, the town administrator says we're only going to get 1% in state aid this year. And, you know, I, I think we're going to get more because, you know, the state is, is pulling money in hand over fist, which they are. But under the governor's proposal, we're getting 1.03% increase in state aid. So our job is to make sure that you have good information, good process where people can ask questions. And I, I, I've been doing this in a serial fashion where I'm having a discussion with the Board of Selectmen. I'm having discussions with you. I'm having discussions with the superintendent. I'm having discussions with the appropriations committee. It might make sense to get everybody in the same room, hear the same information, ask the questions, and then take input from the public and have the departments there who can answer the questions with regard to What's being done for mental health? You know, what, 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 what is happening with housing insecurity or food insecurity? Like, so they have the information. Have you got a uh, proposed date for that meeting? No, I haven't even made that proposal to the Board of Selectmen yet. I got one member of the board in the audience right now who doesn't even, you know, doesn't even know what I'm talking about yet. Because again, uh, I'm trying, we, we just gotten to this point, you know, of packaging all this stuff up. Everything is just late, and that's just the nature of, of what happened in this cycle with the pandemic and everything else. And so um, the projects that have been proposed for ARPA, the time-sensitive ones, the board approved. The Bewell Northboro get going, the affordable housing, some of the, the two capital projects, the pickleball and the and the uh, acid fence, they they approve those because those are time sensitive. Um, Is this on their agenda for the next meeting? A, dis a discussion uh, with regard to the ARPA process is going to be on for Monday. By the way, Monday is the budget hearing, the public hearing on the operating budget, which you're all invited to. It is the legislative delegation coming in to uh, go over our uh, our priorities with them, and there's a few other things on the agenda. But my intent is to have a conversation with the board. It's always their decision, but I would recommend picking another date, everybody together, and we go through a process that, that gives a, puts a little more process around the, the discussions, a little more context. As an advisory board, we could 
and I would like to discuss if you want to, um, I don't want to say make a recommendation, but I think if we don't speak on ARPA, I think we're making a mistake. I think that um, passing on these items, and if they decide to do a process, and that process ends up, they don't approve these items, it absolutely impacts this committee, and I think it's critical for us to go on record, so this way, you know, we can say we did support, whether we do or not, whether, uh, but I think it's critical for us to uh, maybe go on record and make a suggestion about what to do with this. Mm. Uh, what's, the best, what's the best way for us to do that? Um, so at your next meeting, you're going to be discussing the, um, the report to town meeting. So typically the way this works is Dave draws a short straw now that he is chair again uh, to, draft, uh, to draft the report for your consideration at your next meeting. You know, we'll send it out ahead of time. At your next meeting, you'll finalize the draft of the, um, of the report. Uh, and if, if the board, uh, the committee is so inclined, you could draft a, uh, an ARPA memo to the Board of Selectmen with your thoughts on, on that. Uh, approve it at your next meeting and you could forward it to the board for their consideration. Sounds like Mike is um, volunteering to draft the memo. You don't want me to write that. If someone, <laughs> if someone here write well, I'm happy to speak anytime, any place, but writing, I can put bullet points if I was writing it. We, we approve, thank you. Um, but just, if someone is comfortable writing. Well, you can saddle the chairman with a, with a draft of the, of the memo and then uh, for, your, for your consideration at your next meeting. I have something for the selectmen for Monday, that, um, but unless you're not going to tackle it. Oh. Uh, well, you're not going to be able to do that for the meeting on Monday. I, I, I hope I mean, the meeting. I hope the meeting on Monday is just going to be um, a discussion about the process because that's really, that's really what the discussion was at the prior meeting. Uh, we didn't get into a whole lot of discussion the about the hour. the validity and the and the the need for the projects that were being proposed. It was more a case of who made the decision uh, to include these. And, uh, and uh, you know, why wasn't the public consulted? So I think the process piece of it needs to be addressed. And so, um, so I think if you drafted something and the committee uh, uh, reviewed it and approved the communication at your meeting next week, it wouldn't, you wouldn't have it for Monday, but it would certainly get to the board before any public input process, any official public input process would, would take place. Which can I, can I just say, I think is okay, because in that meeting, uh, I watched the recording, there was a lot of emotion and a lot of tired people. Mm -hmm. So give them another shot to talk about it. That's a good point. It did go, yeah, it it did at, go at late. The fifth hour. Yeah. So I think it's perfectly fine to let them have another conversation. They've slept on it. Everybody feels a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And then we can follow up based on that and say, hey, we, we still think this is a really good That's idea. That's a good idea. And yeah. for so, so if there's a, um, again, if there's a, a meeting scheduled out, uh, and, and I, I, in my opinion, it would, um, you know, it wouldn't be, again, I'm speaking out of turn because I haven't had this discussion with the Board of Selectmen, uh, but, it, you know, just like when we have a large project like Lincoln Street uh, or the fire station or the trend monitoring, we have a history of getting all the boards and committees together. and. And, and everybody's in the same room and can hear the same information. That, that's been very beneficial, that type of cooperation for us. Uh, that's the type of process I would envision, is doing the same thing, and then whether or not public comment is taken at that meeting or a subsequent meeting, 
um, you know, the board can decide. But uh, you know, I'll make a recommendation uh, to the board, and then uh, and then they can you know decide what they how they'd like to proceed. All the complaints that I heard on the 14th. Uh, was pertaining to process. So that's something that we can correct. We can add process. I just have a quick question about open meeting law. So if Dave's going to write this, can he, like, if, if he wanted my advice, does it have to be everybody? No. I just, I can't what, 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 Yep, no, that's a great that. question because you do not want to violate the open meeting law. So that's why if he drafts the report in the memo, we send it out to you guys ahead of time so you can review it. Then you come to an open session here so at your meeting next wednesday then you would go through the report make any corrections or edits or bring any edits that you have um and again the report at least the report is by and large it's a it's a it's a record of the votes that you just took and it's just what the projects are and that you voted to recommend on the front end there's usually a little bit of um uh, context who the committee members are and, and and a little bit of context regarding why capital planning is important so I want to say it's boilerplate but you know we update the numbers but it's it's the same kind of gist it's explaining to people what the process is so that they don't think that we go to town meeting and we just picked out of a jar what trucks we're going to replace this year or what projects that we're going to do I, I know it sounds silly and I'm, and I'm and I don't mean to come across as sarcastic but there are literally they, people think that that's that's how this stuff gets done because they've never served on a border committee, uh, they've never watched a border committee meeting, they haven't read any of the plans, and you know, and again, most people until something impacts them, you know, they they tend to you know be checked out. So uh, the the stuff that is circulating all over social media right now is drawing a whole bunch of people in who have never been involved in any town process whatsoever, and so they're being told that. You know, this community is doing that, and that community is doing this, and Northborough isn't doing anything. So, let's add some process. Let's add some process. But in terms of the discussion, uh, it should be a draft goes out, and then you edit it uh, sort of in real time. Uh, and again, you know, a memo can be put together, and then you guys can edit it. And and at the end of the day, um, like what you do typically with your report is. Um, you go through, you check it, make sure it's accurate, reflects the, the opinions and the votes of the committee, and then you uh, authorize the chairman to make any final edits and, and uh, adjustments that are necessary. So if we find a typo or, or something, any, any immaterial things. And that's typically how it, would be, how it would be done. So between now and your next meeting, the drafts will go out, come back, uh, your next meeting, finalize the report and any communication regarding ARPA that you would like to, to send to the board. And hopefully by that next meeting, I'll have some more information to you regarding the process and how we're going to move forward as a community. But, you know, there, there's ways to do this that make it, you know, people feel like it's, um, it's a good process and then there's ways to put stuff out there that, you know, creates the conspiracy theory stuff. And unfortunately, you know, there are elections and you know there's a lot of misinformation and conspiracy theory stuff that's being put out there that's confusing a lot of a lot of well-meaning people so okay <clears throat> so we talked about our next meeting uh, a week from today, today. yeah yep uh, any other business come before us you'll be traveling next week yeah okay Rest you guys be here.
Tom, if you have any input, you can email just the chairman directly so that he can then at the meeting discuss whatever comments you have, if, that, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, just don't copy everybody and don't reply to him, Dave, just so if you've, yep. if you've got any comments, you can just send them to the chair. Okay. All right. Uh, if there's nothing else, I'll entertain a motion to adjourn. I'll move to adjourn. Second. All those in favor of adjournment? Aye. Unanimous again.